0: Our Old Testament reading this morning is Isaiah chapter 64, verses 1 through 9. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you. As when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you, who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to help those, to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. This is the word of the Lord.
1: The New Testament reading for today is Mark 13. Verses 24 through 37 and can be found on page 1018 in your pew Bibles. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near right at the door. will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when this time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and he tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, Whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone. Watch. This is the word of the Lord.
2: Good morning, Sherman. I am feeling a little anxious because we're starting late. Like I'm starting, I'm preaching late. Uh, So if you're like a person who's like, what the heck is happening right now? Um, I want you to know that my sermon's not super long and I'm going to cut the song of response. So we should still be out of here by noon. (laughs) Um, So today uh, I wanted to also wish you all a happy new year. for those of you who are not so familiar with the liturgical calendar um, today is the first sunday of advent which is also the first sunday of the, Christ, of the christian year uh, this is our new year's day um, throughout the seasons of the liturgical calendar we walk through the life death and resurrection and ascension of jesus alongside the church worldwide um, and but we all begin in advent in this kind of season before the season. A season of preparation, a fast before the feast. Um, And maybe you could tell from the reading that we just heard from Peter, uh, with the sun being darkened and the stars falling out of the sky, the liturgical calendar approaches Christmas a little differently than the rest of our culture. Um, It's not quite so cozy, it's a lot more like the end of the world. Because Advent Advent is a time when we recognize that uh, things are not as they should be. Um, That we are longing for more. Hence our despair prayers this morning. Um, We uh, prepare our hearts to receive Jesus on Christmas by taking a good long look at the world and how desperately all of us need God. And it doesn't take much looking at the world, right? I read an article yesterday that made up my despair prayer today. It doesn't take much. Just read the news for one day and you will be echoing Isaiah's cry. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. And our gospel text in answer to Isaiah this morning, Jesus says, don't worry, I did and I will again. Um, I will admit that preparing for Christmas in the church is a little less fun than preparing for church outside or for Christmas outside of it. Um, but I really like the tension that we offer here, that um, it's a good reminder, I think, as Tony was saying, to not get caught up in the hubbub of consumerism. Uh, There are so many fun things about this season, right? Like giving gifts and getting together with family and singing carols and hot chocolate and sitting by the fire. Um, All of it, it's really lovely. And also, a lot of it is like nostalgia and manufactured feelings and corporations doing their very best to get the last dollar out of your pocket. Um, And we are not a people who put our hope in things that we can buy or make or do. Or in parties that we can put on, or in the magical feelings that we can create. It is not good vibes only in here. The church gains courage for life and love because we believe that Jesus has come and will come again. And that's the emphasis of Advent this kind of twofold anticipation. We are looking forward to Christmas Day when we will celebrate that God did indeed come to us in flesh and blood. In, in baby Jesus, in the crucified one. And we take hope from that first coming as we wait and wait and wait for Jesus' second coming. And we cry out for Jesus to come again. We long for the day when the promises will be fulfilled, that tears will be wiped away for good that war will be no more, and that all things will be made new. In Advent, we take courage that God has come to us in Jesus, and so we can trust that God will come again, and we wait and watch for that coming. Mary's uh, pregnancy is a good metaphor for Advent. Um, She would have been pregnant you know, right before Christmas. (laughs) Um, And she would have had this dual recognition in her own body, right, that the Son of God had very much come to her, was present with her, and yet he was still yet to come in full, and that the fullness was so much more than the presence she knew. You know, we're kind of slowing down in our worship space here. in cadence not hopefully in time (laughs) but um, i hope that you will take space uh, outside these walls as well um, to clear some space in your life for jesus this season can be so demanding take some time to slow down a bit pray and like our passage says pay attention watch Our passage today is one that reminds us that the scriptures are not quite like other books that we read. Um, Some parts of the Bible are so easily to like translate into our lives now, Um, and other parts we have to work a little harder because the texts are old, like really old, and also from across the world. So uh, it's not just that they had like different sayings, okay, I'm sorry, I'm going to tell you this and maybe someone will get mad at me, but I read this meme that... (laughs) Said, <laughs> It said, the difference between a butt dial and a booty call is why the Bible is hard to read. Which is right, because <laughs> if you don't know what those things are, ask someone later. But, uh, <laughs> but that's right, because they're pretty much the same thing in just direct translation, right? But they are not the same thing. Uh, <laughs> And they didn't just have different sayings, right? It's not just that, like, just that exists. Um, They also have whole different kinds of writing, different genres. Like, we all have different genres of writing. Like, a newspaper article is different than a poem, and both of those are different than a novel or a letter. And it's important that you pay attention to what kind of writing you're reading, or you'll just get super confused, right? Looking for truth, the truth of a poem by parsing out its facts is not going to get you very far its truth is located elsewhere. This passage in Mark is written in a genre that we do not have at all anymore. Uh, It's called Apocalypse. Um, Mark 13 is apocalyptic literature, which is a particular form of writing that attempts to pull back the veil between heaven and earth so that we can catch a peek at the spiritual reality that's happening behind the everyday reality, um, particularly in crisis. Uh, and things, when things go horribly wrong, Apocalypse asks, where is God in this? And answers with, this crisis is evidence that God is coming. This kind of writing is heavy with imagery and symbolism, like the sun going dark and the stars falling. And you're not supposed to interpret them literally. It's evocative. The, like Those particular images have to do with like, a crisis of cosmic proportions. Um, it's not that it will actually happen. Like, I, it could, I guess. But this kind, that's not what this is about. Um, it's evocative, it's drama. Um, it's not about whether or not the stars will actually fall. Um, like, the, book of, the whole book of Revelation is apocalyptic writing. Um, and actually, apoc- the word apocalypse means revelation. Things are unveiled in this kind of crisis. Um, that's a little ironic now, because since we don't have that genre, we often read it wrong. And then instead of having things revealed for us, we just get real confused, and we end up with the Left Behind series, which is <laughs> <laughs> not a very helpful interpretation of apocalyptic writing. Um, so this passage in Mark is pretty confusing. Um, you know, I dog on the Left Behind series. I read nine of them when I was a kid, so just I'm with you if that's you. Anyway. Um, Uh, So this passage is confusing. Uh, Jesus begins speaking this way, in this apocalyptic way at the beginning of chapter 13 and we kind of started toward the end. Uh, He and his disciples leave the temple after Jesus has just spoken against the exploitation of a widow um, in the temple. And as they're leaving, the disciples start to kind of marvel at the temple building. Uh, And I wonder if Jesus was just angry about what had just happened, (laughs) because he goes, he does not join them in their awe. He says, this whole thing is going to come down. Uh, which is like a shocking way to respond to people being like, what a beautiful building. Um, but, but it's so much more than that. Uh, for a Jewish person at the time, and for this to come from a rabbi saying the temple is coming down, the temple is, where, is like the place where God makes God's dwelling. It's the place where you could interact with God. Um, it is the center of Jewish religious life, but it's also the center of like, political and economic life. It is everything. Um, to say the temple was gonna be destroyed is like saying God will no longer be with you, and life as you know it will never be the same. So the disciples start to ask him about it. And Jesus gets apocalyptic. Um, He starts to speak in the language of crisis for the whole of chapter 13 Um, and he's talking about the destruction of the temple which happened in AD 70. So that's most of chapter 13 is actually about this past time Um, and scholars debate whether maybe the whole chapter is about that or maybe just the beginning and the part we read is actually about the second coming. I tend to think that second thing, that the part that we read is about the second coming, that it kind of transitions from the temple will fall to the end of all. Um, and the reason that I think that is, uh, is in part because of Jesus' phrase that he uses in verse eight of chapter 13. Um, he says, talking about all the things leading up to the destruction of the temple, he says, this is the beginning of the birth pangs. Um, It's not the end of things, it is leading somewhere. Um, Some theologians describe waves of calamity faced by humans throughout history um, as birth pangs leading up to the new life of the coming kingdom. Um, And Paul seems to hint at that in Romans 8. Eugene Peterson made that really clear in his translation of Romans 8, 22 through 25. So this is the message from. Um, in Romans eight, it says, all around us we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile, barren bodies of ours are yearning out for full deliverance. That's why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We of course don't see what's enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. Um, When I was giving birth to Oscar, uh, I chose not to have medication, so I was very painfully present to each and every contraction for 22 hours. Uh, Tony was such a good support. And he would say things like, um, the pain means you're making progress. Uh, And that was really helpful for like 18 hours. (laughs) At which point I turned to him and said, stop saying the word progress. (laughs) Which I don't know why that made me so mad, but when you're in that much pain, you just say what you got to (laughs) say. But his phrase, the pain means you're making progress, is essentially what Jesus is saying about the destruction of the temple. Uh, It's what Paul is saying about the waves of suffering that humans go through, which means that those people that predict the end of the world, you know, um, we tend to think of them maybe a little bit like fanatics, those people who predicted the end of the world whenever something terrible happens, they're not totally wrong, right? Christians have forever been reading passages like Mark 13 and the book of Revelation and Daniel and making predictions about the end end times, the antichrist, the signs of the times, the end of all things. They're not wholly wrong. There have been many antichrists, from Nero to Hitler. There have been many. And each of the calamities we have faced has been yet another birth pang in the coming creation. And so we can join in with Jesus and the apocalyptic writers and with Paul saying, you know, where is God in this crisis? Well, the crisis is the sign of God's coming. The pain means progress. All around us we observe a pregnant creation waiting for deliverance. So whether it's the destruction of the temple or the world wars or the climate crisis, we can take Jesus' advice on what to do. We ought to behave like servants who have been given the care of a house when the owner of the house went away, living as those who expect their Lord to return. I don't think you know all the language of like, stay awake or keep watch. Like, kind of makes me go like, oh, like, do I have to be like in ready position all the time? Um, That's like volleyball, didn't you learn that in gym? Anyway. Uh, (laughs) uh, I don't think this is a call for heightened anxiety, that we have to just always be on guard. Um, But it is a call to a steady faith that leads to diligence. Um, Like good servants who expect their lord, their master to return, caring for a house they wouldn't spend all their time freaking out. Uh, But they would make sure that they were attending to the things that need attending so that the house would always be ready. They would not become complacent. Um, I have recognized my own complacency of late. I said to Tony that I felt like I was spending most of my time escaping. Um, I didn't go to Jamie's class this morning, but it sounds like it was right on point with what I'm about to say. (laughs) Um, Mostly my complacency takes the form of uh, distraction, right? So this Advent, I'm doing my best to practice what I'm calling my boring Advent. Um, I'm trying to clear the space a little so that I might attend to the things of God. And what that means for me is that I am turning off audiobooks and music and video games and limiting my novels um, because I use all of those things to escape. Um, And I'm allowing things to go quiet a little, which is actually quite painful. Um, Turns out I do those things because I find the present quite scary. The state of the world and the state of my own heart are sometimes just too much for me and it's easier if I can drown it out. But I want to be attentive to God's Spirit moving in me. I want to make space for Christ to grow in me. So I'm choosing to let the distractions die down for a season. Can the crisis in me remind me that God has come, is coming, and even is here. Because as much as Advent is about Christ's past arrival at Christmas and his future arrival when all things will be made new, there is a third Advent that we celebrate as well. Um, This is from Fleming Rutledge. She says there are three Advents, those first two and the Advent of Christ in our everyday. Christ's arrival every day. Um, Ellen chose a quote for the email this week that captured this really well from Henry Now and it says, The Lord is coming, always coming. When you have ears to hear and eyes to see, you will recognize him at any moment of your life. Life is Advent. Life is recognizing the coming of the Lord. We believe that Christmas comes to us now or sorry we believe that Christ comes to us now in word and sacrament in the body of believers and in the stranger. Part of what I hope is that this advent I will be able to be more attentive to the ways that Christ is coming to me now in the day to day. Less flashy and dramatic than the other two advents. Maybe more easily missed. But as we attend to the works that each day brings, like servants keeping house, can we be aware of the ways that God is still very much with us and still very much coming? That's what I think it means to keep watch and to wait. Doing the works of the day, works of light, Fleming Rutledge says, even when things stay dark, seem dark, being attentive to the movements of God in and around us and in the other this is an active kind of waiting but it is also still mostly just waiting um, we wait with the assurance that even our small deeds have meaning right like the servants sleeping the, sweeping the floor one more time We wait knowing that when Jesus comes, all things will be gathered into him. What apocalyptic literature does above all else is assure its readers that though things may look bleak, though God may seem far off, God is very much at work just behind the veil. Though it may seem that the master of the house is far off, he could return at any moment. Though nine months of pregnancy may seem unending, new life is growing and it will come. Though birth itself may be painful and bloody, in the end, all of that gives way to life and love. you know we participate in these things as servants as waiting parents even as a mother giving birth it's still the truth is they're largely out of our control the master will return whether we're ready or not the baby will come when the baby comes and so too our God will come as sure as his first coming at Christmas no matter what is going on in your life, around you, in your work, in your school. Take courage. Our God will surely come. Watch, wait. He is coming to make all things new. Let's pray together. Lord God come, come we pray, and may we wait and watch for you, we pray that you would come.